Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Hold your Bible to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Our title is our confession of faith. Our confession of faith. And when it comes to this subject, there's all kinds of confusion and misuses that lead to presumption uh, and people just doing crazy things, foolishness, when it comes to proclaiming the truth of God's word in their lives. And so we're going to offer to you some thoughts that will help you better understand this subject called the confession of our faith so that we can better line up with the word of God. You know, perception is everything. The way you perceive something, you can hear something, but perceive it wrong, incorrectly. You know, uh, not too long ago, uh, we were at the Cleveland Browns football game. Surprisingly, surprisingly, they lost the game. Surprisingly. But, you know, what are you going to do? Can't win them all. My sons are with me, and nephews, and etc. But anyhow, toward the end of the game, let me just start with this. We were walking out of the stadium, and Krista calls. And I'm talking to her on the phone, and my older son, Jason, grabs the phone and says, let me talk to her. And so I hear him talking to her on the phone and says, I'll just want you to know that dad was involved in a fight. He reeked of beer, and he had his hand on a girl's leg. And then my eyes got that big. I said, give me that phone. So I took the phone and said, now, let me explain to you something. Everything he said was true. But... Here is the correct perspective. A fight broke out behind me between a Miami Dolphins fan and a Browns fan. And of course, they were all drinking. And when the fight broke out, the guy who was next to his girlfriend, who was behind me when we stood up at the end, he darted off after this guy, hit her from behind and knocked her into my back. I went forward. My other son pulled me back by my coat so I wouldn't fall over. And the beer fell all over me. It was all over my clothes. And the girl behind me, her leg went down into... My seat was right on the edge, on the end, you know. And it was stuck. It was stuck between the seat and the cement. And she was crying for help. <laughs> so... It's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> so gathering my senses, I turn around. I'm full of beer. This, she's in distress. I try to get her leg. It was wedged in between the seat. I try to pull, help her get it out. And I was a victim of the fight. Well, I wish I had my video, my, 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 tele, my phone to make a video of that one because that was the truth. And by the way, she believed me. <laughs> so you can see perception can be, you see how wrong perception can be? It's the same thing when it, when it comes to studying the Word of God and hearing biblical uh, principles. If you hear it by the wayside, Jesus said, you're going to be confused. You're not going to have a an in-depth understanding of how it really works. 
and you can go off and do something foolish, do something presumptuous in the process. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes, to give us clarity, understanding, and true revelation of these biblical principles that are so precious. You know, it's because of these principles, praise God, I've seen so many miracles just in my life. For my boys to be born, healings that have taken place. Uh, Andrew, you know his story and testimony, his miraculous healing and all that. And many, many more. Angels appearing and see, being seen and all that. So this is what I'm sharing with you, what created all this. This is what's happened. I can only give to you what I have and what I know. And these blessed principles work, but you've got to understand them correctly. So we're going to get right into it. First of all, number one, confessing Jesus as the Lord of our lives is the very heart of Christianity. So we're talking about confession. Look at Matthew 10, 32. Here's something that Jesus said. Whosoever therefore shall confess me, notice the word confess before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me, he said, I'll deny you. But anyhow, look at the word confess. In the Greek, it's homologio. Homologio. And it actually means to agree with. You're agreeing with something that was said. You're admitting to something that was said. You're absolutely standing uh, in a position where you make a conclusion based on something that you've studied and something that you believe. So it means to confess in agreement with something after you come to a conclusion. Not just blurting something that someone else said out. You've come to the conclusion that this is truth. And so therefore I embrace it. And I am going to declare it, decree it, confess it. Now, we confess our allegiance to Christ. And Christ says, I will confess you before my Father. This is a part of his high priestly ministry. In the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 you will notice that the writer here says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our, everybody say it, profession. It's the same word, homologio, and it means confession, Christ Jesus. So Jesus is the high priest. You see, that might be a little bit blind to us if you don't understand uh, the, the um, Jewish faith and recognize that the high priest was the one who was really over all the priests. And only the high priest could go to the Holy of Holies and offer up certain sacrifices on the Day of Atonement, etc., etc. If you understand that, then you understand the fact that Jesus is now the high priest. Not of these offerings that we make of sacrificial animals. He's the high priest of our profession or confession of faith. And to be honest with you, it might be a little bit of a play on words. But really, our confession should be our profession. And you know there's amateurs and there's professionals in a profession. We've got to become professionals when it comes to our confession of faith. Not amateurs. Because you'll try to do things and it's going to backfire on you. So, Jesus being the high priest of our confession, then takes our confession to the Father and says, Yep, I'm acknowledging that. See, when I confess him as Lord, he confesses me before the Father. That's his high priestly ministry right now. But confession is, and there's a definition in there for you to look at, it's affirming something we believe. We affirm something, I believe this. It's testifying to what we know. I know this. It's witnessing for a truth we have embraced. I've embraced this. When you go off there, out there in the world and you witness for Jesus, are you in doubt and unbelief about that? Are you trying to find out from someone else that Jesus really, does he really save? No, you're affirming something you believe. I believe he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I know something too. I testify what I know. I know because he's in my heart. I'm witnessing for a truth. I've embraced him as my Savior. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. And now I'm just going to tell everybody else, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. So this is the great confession right here. And then trying to confess things that we don't really believe, know, or have embraced is like going into a court of law and testifying to something you haven't seen or you haven't heard. You know what they would say to you? Get out. 
What have you seen, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so? Oh, I didn't really see anything. Well, what, what have you heard? I, I, I don't really, I didn't hear anything. Why are you here? Well, you know, Aunt Mary, her sister, who's married to, and it goes on and on, kind of said this is how it happened. <laughs> well, you, you could be dismissed. No, you've got to see it. You've got to know it. You've got to understand it. You've got to believe it. Can you see that? It's not parroting somebody else. Now, there are different aspects of confession, and that's what we want to explore. First of all, there's the confession unto salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verses 8 to 10, look at the verses. Confession unto salvation. But what saith it? The word is nighty, even in your mouth and your heart, that is the word of faith that we preach. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. I'm not going to dissect that word, but that word salvation actually means not just be saying saved from sin, healed, preserved, delivered, set free, liberated. It means all those things. But notice, with the heart man believes, and with the mouth he confesses unto what? Number one thing is what? Salvation. Thank God for salvation. Are you glad you're saved, washing the blood of the Lamb? How did you get that way? You believed something and said something. You see, under the law, you had to keep the law to, to even be considered righteous. But you couldn't keep the law, so you couldn't become righteous. But thank God, because of the blood of Jesus, who washed us from our sins, who became sin for us, who knew no sin, to make us the righteousness of God in Christ. And so therefore, when I accept Him and declare that He's my Lord, I'm cleansed by His blood. I become righteous before the Father. I made my declaration of faith. My confession unto salvation. Aren't you glad you're saved? There was a young man I was witnessing to, and this, this young man, he had all the criteria. He confessed all the right things when I said, you believe Jesus died for your sins? Yes. Was he raised from the dead for justification? Yes. Etc. Etc. I said, well, will you make him Lord of your life right now? He said, nope. I'm doing a pretty good job with my own life. So he confessed all the right things. But when it came time for his confession unto salvation, he said no. So can you see you can intellectually agree with truth, but not embrace it from your heart, believe it from your heart and embrace it? Can you see that distinction? He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I, I mean, I can only pray that he did some, one day, but I don't know that he did. I pray that he did. Okay, secondly, there's a confession under forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 makes this very clear. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice, if we confess, here confession actually means that we acknowledge our guilt before God. Yes, I was wrong. Lord, I was guilty. I know you're hearing a lot of teaching today on television. You don't have to confess your sins. Oh, yes, you do. Read your Bible. Don't listen to your television preachers. Oh, yes, you do. It's like a relationship. You see, the first confession was unto relationship. The second confession is unto fellowship. Because verses 7 7 through 9, it first of all talks about if you walk in the light, it sees the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And we have fellowship one with another. Okay, that's fellowship. Fellowship is like this. Here's my son Dante here. And he is my son. We're related. That's relationship. If he does something maybe that displeases me and breaks fellowship, that doesn't mean he's no longer my son. All that means is he may come to me and say, Dad, I'm sorry for doing that. I say, okay. I forgive you. But he confessed what he did. Can you see that's fellowship, not relationship? So there's a confession unto salvation, and there's a confession uh, that, that you, know, you identify with and acknowledge your sins before God so he can cleanse you. Now notice in, in the scripture, Psalm, or, or Proverbs 28, verse 13. If we confess our sins and forsake them, then we obtain mercy and we avoid divine judgment. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have what? Mercy. So what are we to do with sin? Confess it and forsake it. Now we don't want to be like the Israelites in the wilderness. If you recall they got bitten by snakes and many of them died as a result of the snake bite. After they got bitten by snakes then they said we have sinned and they identified their sin. We spoke against Moses. We spoke against God. 
We smoke against Aaron and all them. Well, wait a minute. Why does it have to get to that place? It shouldn't have to. Why did they confess their sin? Because they were judged. So really they were sorry for the consequence of their sin, not the cause. You understand that? There's two, there, there are different kinds of sorrow. There's human sorrow. I'm sorry for doing something. There's also the sorrow of the world, which really is only, I'm sorry because there's a consequence. I'm going to go to jail. Or there's going to be judgment. Yeah, you're sorry, but only for the consequence, not because. But then there's true godly sorrow that works repentance. Sorrow that you're not to repent of. In other words, I've hurt you, Lord. It's a matter that I have hurt you. And you died for my sins. You shed your blood for my life. I don't want to hurt you. I do not want to do anything to, let's say, bring a reproach to your kingdom. I'm so sorry for what I've done. And that kind of sorrow really works powerfully and effectively inside a person's heart and mind. It makes you want to serve and stay, you know, in harmony with him and his will for your life. Because of the sacrifice that he made for you. So you can see, one confession is unto salvation. The other one is to forgiveness. Now notice this in Psalm 32, 1 through 6. And this is in the New Living Translation. <clears throat> Look at these verses. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, see, that's what they're telling you to do today. My body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. You don't want that. My strength exasperated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of what? You don't want judgment. You want mercy. And you know what? God always offers mercy before judgment. What does that mean? Grace is a period of time in which you can get it right. See, the thing is, people get away with sin for such a long period of time, and then they lose the, their, their conscience is seared. They don't realize that it's wrong. They think it's okay because there's no judgment. Beloved, you don't want to wait till judgment comes. Because, you know, there's conditional and unconditional judgment. And when it's conditional, it means you can't change. Remember the story of King David when he committed sin with Bathsheba? then he had Uriah killed. Remember that story? And then the, the prophet Nathan came to him and said that what he had done, he gave him, first of all, an illustration, an example. And the king said, that man should be killed who, who stole that little lamb. He said, well, king, you're the one that did it. You stole this man's wife. You killed her husband. You got her pregnant. And you tried to cover it up. And David realized. But you see, judgment fell on David then. And guess what? It was unconditional. For the rest of his years, he couldn't build the temple of the Lord. And for the rest of his years, he had havoc in his house. But he lived. He should have died right then. Can you see the mercy of God? You don't want to get to that place. Get it right now. Get it right now. So, confessing Christ as Lord is about relationship. Confessing sin is about fellowship. And then there's number three, the confession of praise. The confession of praise as a sacrifice. And I want you to notice here, Hebrews 13, 15, and this is from the Amplified, the classic version of the Amplified Bible. Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Under the old covenant, they had to bring sacrificial animals, you understand, and they had to be sacrificed. That's what they offered as a peace offering meal offering, etc., trespass offering before the Lord. Aren't you glad we don't have to come in with bloody sacrifices any longer? Aren't you glad we just have to come and bring our sacrifice of what? See, when we gather together, like I said, have your donuts back there in the fellowship hall. Have your coffee. If you want latte, I don't know. You have to talk to Rose. But in, I don't know what she offers back there. But you can have all that. Have your time. To, and we're not talking about fellowshipping among other believers and sharpening each other. But when we walk here into this sanctuary, all of a sudden all that's turned off. And what's turned on is we are looking to God to manifest His power, His presence, His glory here in this place place and the more we're consciously aware of his presence and the more we reverence his holy presence and act like he's here the more he's going to show up 
and the more he's going to do in our midst. Saving the lost, healing the sick, setting the captives free, meeting the needs of people, turning around marital relationships and restoring them, etc., etc. Notice, um, instead of offering calves, we offer what? The fruit of our lips. I want you to look this, at this in Hebrews 10. I said this, and I, I want to say it loud and clear. I'm getting a little bit bolder in my maturing age. Okay. All the legal sacrifices were superseded and abolished by the sacrifice of Christ. Let me say that again. All the legal sacrifices under the old covenant were superseded and abolished by the sacrifice of Christ. You want to know why the Jews are not offering sacrifices right now after A.D. 70 in particular? You want to know why? Because the only place they can offer them is in Jerusalem in the temple that doesn't exist any longer. You think God's trying to send them a message? Think about it. All these years, for 2,000 years, there have been those sacrifices that are offered. And those that have tried, they stopped as well. Because you see, there's no point to it. The Shekinah glory is gone. And besides, the only place they can offer sacrifices is in the temple in Jerusalem. And it's not there. Now, you say, well, one day it's going to come. Yeah, one day it is. It's going to stop in three and a half years into it. You understand that? They're going to try to do it again. But then, what's going to happen? Antichrist is revealed. Stopped. No more sacrifices. You think the point's going to come across? Here's the scriptures that show you. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, everybody say never, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once per should have no more conscience of sins. So next verse says, so, the, so th- is in these sacrifices, there's a remembrance of sin from year to year. But look at verse 14 now. In verse 14, you see, in these sacrifices, there's a remembrance of sin. If they were satisfying to God, they would have ceased to be offered. But by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hallelujah. All the blood of all those sacrificial animals, if you collected it all together, billions of gallons of blood could never, never, never satisfy and never perfect the believer. But thanks be to God, one offering, one sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all of us and perfects us in the sight of God forever. You're perfect within and progressively becoming perfect without. And you're waiting for the permanent perfection that comes when you have a glorified body someday. And now, if I may meddle just for one moment. I said it Wednesday, I'm going to say it again here today. When you put on your television, you listen to your favorite preacher and this all that, and he tells you, we're getting near the Day of Atonement, and this is the opportunity where the window of opportunity is going to be open, and it's at that point you're going to have even a better blessing. Don't slap Jesus like that. Every day is a blessing. You've got every blessing in Christ Jesus. Those have been abolished. Those have been removed. There's one sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, that satisfies all. That's all. Every day you can get the best that God has to offer. Every day. So don't send your thousand dollars to get this window of opportunity. Send it to me. (laughs) I'm teasing. Can you see that? And they just make it like as if you gotta buy the book. If you don't buy the book, you never understand and you'll never know. You got a book. You got a book. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. There's no more sacrifice. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. And every day you've got the throne open to you to get anything you want. Anything. You don't need a special day. Read Colossians 2.16. You know what it tells you? Don't consider any day a special day. Put a, that's all done. It's been abolished in Christ. Don't go back into your Jewish roots and try to get through all this stuff. You get so confused. You don't need it. I appreciate the fact if you want to say, okay, we've got Jewish roots. And Christianity has Well, sure it does. But they rejected their Messiah. And we're enjoying it all. How about you? Aren't you glad? We are to provoke them to jealousy. (laughs) Because we got what they should have had. And then there's the next one. Confession unto faith. Confession unto. This is, now please, put on your listening ears. 
Here's where the confusion comes. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, but day and night, that thou mayest be able to observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Notice what it says. Meditate the word by day and night. The word meditate, it means to ponder, to mutter. It means to muse. To muse means to say to oneself, thoughtfully, thoughtfully. What is it talking about? Anybody here a champion talking of talking to yourself? You talk to yourself all the time. Some of you do. Well, we're going to get you all raising your hand here in just a moment. Because talking to yourself thoughtfully is like this. Okay, here's a difficult situation, Jesus. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm going to meditate this all day long. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, how do you meditate? Well, I, I shared this Friday evening in our healing class. Well, just do it this way. Uh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Okay, start with the first word. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that's in me. Yes, you. Little old me, yes, than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. That is the devil who's been defeated by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. That doesn't fire you up. You need some dry wood. Praise God. Can you see that? He's greater. In... Before you know it, the problem is like way down here. And the glory of God is all around you. See? All these scriptures that you're going to see here, look at this, to muse. Look at Psalm 143, verse 5. David understood musing. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. What is he saying? Okay, once again, here's our problem. Here's our problem. Our problem is they're going to throw us into a burning, fiery furnace. Fire. I mean, think about it. It will consume you in a heartbeat. But you made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is. You uphold, propel all things by the word of your power. You proclaim the decree and the waters shall not cross the sand on the seashore. Who is like our God? When they killed your son, you raised him from the dead on the third day because death, hell, and the grave could not hold him down. You said when I pass through the fire, you will be with me and I will come out unscathed. You see the shift from fear to faith? And so when those three boys said, go ahead, throw us in. The God we serve is able and he will deliver us out of your hand. Okay, that's what David was musing on the works of his hands. And then also look at the Psalm uh, 119.97. It says, oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. And then Psalm 19.14. Look at what it says. In Psalm 19.14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Notice how the, they connect. The words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And then it's not on your, in your notes, but I'll give you the scriptures. In Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of God and understands the way of the sinner or seats in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He will bring forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does will prosper. How does that happen? Meditation. Musing. Throughout the day. You say, how can I have my Bible with me? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How hard is it to throughout the course of a day and just say, you know, this, this project I'm doing at work is difficult. But I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. That one gave me this awful look. Love your enemies. Do good to them to hate you. You can meditate the word like that all day long. Come on. We're being real. You don't just, you're not a Christian only on Sunday. Right? Every day. So what you're doing is you're musing. And I'm getting to a point. David, because you see what happens is this. People hear the confession of faith, which is our next point. And what do they do? 
they run with it and they get into foolishness and presumption and do stupid things if I could be so strong in my terminology like take your child off a of medication because you're healed and they die that's stupidity are you listening to me then you got the critics out there saying all you faith people you all you want is money all you're saying you're believing God for this that's that's ridiculous as well if that's what you're hearing you're hearing by the right side your perception is wrong absolutely wrong it's a wrong perception of it God will supply all your need but there are laws to prosperity that you have to obey and if you're not obeying them you can say all you want with your mouth it's not going to work do you see that you understand that so David meditated you know he was a shepherd under the stars upon his bed Psalm 63 or I believe it is 5 or 6 he meditated on, on his bed during the night watches what was he thinking about the greatness of his God how powerful his God is matter of fact he was so in tune with his God while watching the sheep at night a lion came into the camp to take one of the lambs and he smote it he ch chased it down and smote it and then a bear came look at he grabbed him by the beard anybody here when I go lion beard grabbing we meet tomorrow eight o'clock in the morning here at the church he didn't step out in foolishness he knew what he was doing he knew his God and when he said what he said you're gonna see it right here confession of faith I want you to see his confession was all based on his meditation his musing over the word saying it day in day night and getting a good idea of who his God was and how he would defend him fight for him and protect him okay so now the next one is our confession of faith so you see if you don't have the foundation of all the others and you just come to confession of faith and you just want to say something beware okay be sure you heard it here beware beware okay Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, are you a whosoever? Shall say unto this mountain, a mountain's an obstacle, a problem, a difficulty, a sickness, a disease. Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt, where? In his heart. But shall believe what? That those things which he what? Notice, it's what you say shall come to pass. What will he have? According to Jesus, whatsoever he saith. This is the law of faith. He will have what's he, what he says. Okay? So with that in mind, we call that the confession of faith. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. David, who was meditating day and night in the Word, who understood his God, how his God would defend him, protect him, and help him, and provide for him, and meet his every need. David said to Saul, now remember, before he says this to Saul, here's what happened. He brought a picnic lunch to his brothers. He stopped at Subway on the way. He heard about all the stuff that Pizza Hut had, so he changed it from Pizza Hut to Subway. So he stopped by Subway, brought him his brother some lunches. And when he brought the lunch there uh, to the camp, remember, Goliath was there for 40 days and 40 nights. And what was he doing? Defying the army, the living God, saying, Who among you will fight me? I thought you served the, the God, the Creator God. And he's defying the army of the living God. Okay? And so David just there, this little ruddy 15-year-old boy, red hair, freckles, it's freckles and all that. He stands there and he hears this spewing of the mouth of Goliath and said, What? Who's that? They said, Oh, Goliath of Gath, the mighty warrior. Man, we've been in fear for, for all, these day, all these days. No one's going to go fight him. Saul, King Saul, who should be the one, he's head and shoulders taller than anybody else in the Israeli army and trained in, in warfare. He won't do it. No one will do it. We're all afraid of him. He said, I'll fight him. And they, I'm sure they're shocked. They said, well, you know what? If you fight him, you get the honey, the money, and tax exemption for the rest of your life. <laughs> now his eyes got really big. The honey, he's going to get the king's daughter. The money, there's a nice purse for, for the victory. But then there's tax exemption for the rest of your life. So the honey and the money and tax exempt. He goes, is there not a cause? There's a cause. There's a cause. So they take his words and they rehearse it. Notice, they take his words. And they rehearse it before King Saul. And David said to Saul, 
Let no man's heart fail because of him. Jesus said in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. So he says, let no man's heart, see heart failure of, because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able. Immediately you'll be attacked with doubt and unbelief. Whenever you try to speak a word of God, you're going to get attacked just like this. And this is the king. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight. Why? With him? Because you're but a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth, David said to Saul, remember, this guy, his, his helmet weighs more than I do. His spear's bigger than David. He's a giant. David said to Saul, thy servant kept thy father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard. And smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised, he has no covenant with God. Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing that he's defied who? The armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will, everybody say, he will. Deliver me out of, thy, out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and I'll contact Mark No for a funeral. <laughs> oh, that's, not, that's not in there, is it? And the Lord be with thee. So nonchalant, like, the, oh, go and the Lord be, in other words, okay, we can plan this guy's funeral out, and we'll just get rid of him, and then we'll see we got plan B. You know what David was doing right there? He was declaring, making a decree of his faith. He was declaring and decreeing his faith is exactly what David was doing. He was setting the stage. You know, the Bible says, Holy Ghost is not going to move until you start saying some things. You start saying some things, then God is going to move by his spirit. Can you see that? That's how it works? Okay. So now he made a declaration of faith. Now go on down to verse 45. And now look, this is his confession of faith. Here it is. There's a foundation beneath it. The Philistine came out and said... Am I a dog that you would come at me with a stick? And the Philistine said, This day I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. That's what Goliath is saying. Big old Goliath. You think about it. Let's just, say, let's just be conservative and let's say meet, meet in the middle. Some say he was 9 feet tall. Some say he was 11 feet tall. Okay. He, let's say he was in the middle. Let's say he was 10. That's as tall as a basketball hoop. Okay, and probably broad. Can you, can you imagine that? Ten feet? Almost my size, but near. <laughs> this humongous, massive humanity who's got his armor on everywhere, shield that is so big someone has to carry it, a spear, I think his helmet weighed like 20-some pounds or something. His helmet, can you imagine that? The spearhead was 16 pounds or 18 pounds. But anyhow, he's a massive amount of man of humanity, right? Massive humanity. And he's saying to him, I'm going to rip your head off and feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. Well, let's go back up. and then, David, then said David to the Philistine. There's a pause. Wait a minute. He gets out his cell phone. He calls Bill and Zavino. And he says, Pastor Bill, what scripture was that verse? That, you know, the one that says, um, our God will fight for us. Uh, Exodus 14, 14. A and there was another one about our God being a man of war. Exodus 15 and verse 3. Uh, okay. okay. Wait, wait, wait. But there's one more. Something about being our, our help in time of trouble. That's Psalm 46 and verse 1. God's our refuge and strength. The very present help in time of trouble. He says... Because uh, I'm in trouble. I just, thank you. I just wanted to know what those verses were. Okay. Okay, Goliath. Um, <laughs> that didn't happen, did it? No, no, no. He heard those awful, earth-shattering, intimidating words from Goliath. And he says, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. You know, when we got problems, let's recognize the fact 
You come against me, you're messing with my big brother. You come against me, you're messing with my father. You come against me, you're messing with the power of the living almighty God. That's who you're messing with. You're not defying just me. You're defying Him. And this day, look at this. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistine this day and to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear, but the battles of the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. That's called a confession of faith. Can you see that? But notice what went into it. It wasn't just repeating, echoing somebody. But I heard Brother So-and-so see on TV. I'm glad that he did, but meditate it day and night until it becomes part of your innermost being. It becomes yours, not theirs, but yours. Like a Mary. How can this be? I don't know a man. The Holy Ghost will come upon you. And when he does, he'll overshadow you. And you'll conceive in your womb the Son of the living God. She said, let it be done to me according to your word. That's our declaration and confession of faith. And so praise God. Numbers chapter 14. You got another couple more minutes so I can wrap this up. Someone raise your hand if you give me two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. Okay. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. I have another hour. All right. Look at Numbers chapter 14. See, people don't believe that this is true. And it makes me wonder, what Bible are you reading? You ready for it? Now we have the Israelites in the wilderness and the ten spies came. And what they did was they spied out the land. And can you, while I'm saying this, can you back that up to verse 23? Chapter, that should be 13. I'm sorry, back it up to chapter 13. Can you find chapter 13? Yeah. Okay. Chapter 13. 27 to 33. Okay. Here. They spied out the land of Canaan. And God said it's a land that flows of milk and honey. Big old grapes. All kinds of stuff that's good for you. He says, in that land I'll take sickness away from the midst of you, fulfill the number of your days, no, no one cast her young before the time, etc., etc. A beautiful place. I will defend you, be an enemy to your enemies, adversary to your adversaries. A beautiful place. And if there's anyone there in the land, like Hittites, Jebusites, and Canaanites, and you know, Amalekites, I'll drive them out. So you don't have to worry about them. So, they 12 went out to spy out the land. Two came back with a good report, and 10 came back with an evil report. And they told him and said, We came unto the land, this is the ten, these are the ten, whither thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. I guess God didn't lie, did he? And this is the fruit of it. They should have stopped right there. But notice, nevertheless, the doctor said, nevertheless, I read this on the internet, nevertheless, my mother-in-law told me, nevertheless, She's in Florida. I can say that right now. I only pray she's not watching by live stream. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I love you, Dolores. <laughs> Nevertheless, the people, the what? God, the people. God, the people, God, the people. Huh. The people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the, and, and the, Jebus and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of, of Jordan, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Stop this nonsense. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. Amen. But the men that went up with him said, 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 We be not able to go up. You see, you can believe what you want. We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. 
And they brought up an evil report. See, the evil report's not that there's walled cities. Evil report is not the natural report that there's giants in the land. Evil report is not that, oh, we're having a bad economic season. It's not that you've got a report from the doctor. That's not the evil report. The evil report is saying what they just said right there. They said they're stronger. We can't do it. We're not able. That's because they're looking to themselves and not to God. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, notice, notice the report, saying... The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which were come from the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. Do you see that confession? That's not a confession of faith. That's a confession of what? Doubt and unbelief, isn't it? Absolutely. And then when Joshua finally just said, we can do it, they're bred for us, they want to stone them. And God says, how long am I going to bear with this evil congregation that murmur, speak against me? Look at verses 27, 28 now from Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14, verses 27, 28. Back it up if you can. To, how long shall I bear this, with this evil congregation which murmur, Murmur, speak against me. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have what? Where? What will happen? Does that set right with anybody here today? As you've been speaking in my ear? Okay. You'll have what you say. That's what you say. You can't do it? You can't. They're too big, they are. You're a grasshopper, you are. Now, this is only for those of you that haven't been with us to hear this kind of a teaching before. Those ten spies that spied out the land, that brought back the evil report and said we can't do it because of this, 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 this. It says they died by the plague immediately. And the plague they died by was worms ate out their tongues and jaws and their navel, heart and mouth. Heart and mouth. Want to use your heart and mouth to speak against me, my work and my, my ways, my will, my, my, my mercy and my grace, my power? Okay, and you want to lead my people down that path? Watch who you listen to preach. You're not going to hear doubt and unbelief from me, I'm telling you right now. I'm not saying it's easy to live by faith, to walk by faith, but I'm going to tell you something right now, it's worth it. And it's a fight, but it's worth it. I'm not going to disagree with God, I'm going to agree with God. Because you know what, if you get God against you, whew, all right, here's our closing statement. Faith is a fight. They got what they confessed, both of them. First Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, where until thou art also called, and hast confessed or professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul, who knew, who said, I finished my course, I fought a good fight, I've kept the faith. He did it all the way to the end. He held fast his confession of faith without wavering until the very end. Can you see that? Okay, so it's a fight. So when you start declaring the word of God, there's a fight to it. What fight? There'll be those saying you can't, and God will say, yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who's your strength. Your body will say, you know, this, that, and the other thing. You've got to say, I'm sorry. I'm not going to, I'm being unforgiveness or bitterness. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Hold fast your confession of faith, Hebrews 10.23 says, because faithful is he that promised. Let's throw that up there. Let us hold fast our profession or confession of faith. Why? Without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful that promised. So we're holding fast our confession of faith because we know that God is faithful to do what? To make it come to pass. Now there's a fight to this. We've got a fight holding fast our, our confession of faith. Notice I have that little saying in there. Get a grip on your lip and don't let it slip. Get a grip on your lip and don't let it slip. Use duct tape if you have to. Oh, there are many men that would really would have, they really, right now they regret not using duct tape when they talk to their wife. Think about that one for a while. Another use for duct tape. Conclusion. <laughs> what helps is knowing that God is faithful to his promises. But in our conclusion, look at these last two verses. In, in uh, Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16, look at what God says. My son, if your heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice when 
your lips speak right things. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Jesus said, a man is condemned or justified by the words of his mouth. And you give an account of every word you speak on the day of judgment. Whew. Who wants that? Okay? And then notice here in Hebrews 13, uh, uh, chapter, five, chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. For he hath said, this is part B, he hath said. God is speaking. God said. What did God say? He hath said. Everybody say, God said. God said. Uh, what did he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? So that your neighbor may boldly say. Notice everything he hath said. We can say. And everything we say. Must be rooted in what he hath said. Do you see that? Do you get that? Okay. So he, he said. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he amplified, I will not, I will not, I will not by any degree leave you or forsake you that you may boldly say, what am I saying? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me for the Lord is my helper. So God wants us to do something about what we believe and what we say. This is not a light message. This is a deep message. It's the deep things of God. And it's important we understand the whole concept of it all. And not just try to blurt out some words. Well, pastor said to say this when you're in trouble. Doesn't work that way. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school. If you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I opened the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.